Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture in films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. Yeah, I mean, um, she's the size of a fucking golden retriever in this. I mean, like, but, no, but I mean, those are. Have you seen how big monitor lizards are? No, no because you fucking useless, <laughs> not a stoner, haven't seen any, any oh David Attenborough. God. I got so much to fix in your life, Scott. <laughs> I swear to God. Also, I am real feisty today, bro. Folks. You are really feisty. I'm like today. pissed I love it. about nothing. I'm like Scott, stay yeah. in there. My, I have like really bad OCD today. You do. All right, let's do this. You guys are never going to believe this. Uh, It's season three. And it's the 90s. We have, we are, I'm, uh, I speak for Lindsay and the trees when I say that, uh, we're fucking thrilled to be here. I'm, I'm so glad we're finally here. Mm -hmm. Me too. The eighties were fun. Don't get me wrong, but this is our sandbox. This is where we, yeah, where we thrive, where, where we member, you know, all our member berries live in the nineties. All our member berries are here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're ready Um, to throw down. Yeah, this is the first movie of the 1990s. This is Disney's first sequel, The Rescuers Down Under. And it looks great. Yeah, I'm going to start off by saying that it looks phenomenal. Caps was like a huge leap forward. Um, It cut production time down by like six months. Mm-hmm. So like you can and you can see it too. The problem is watching this as an adult, you can see where Caps was not perfect. So, like, when they're going through the flower field, like, in the very opening crawl, things just, like, appear and then disappear and then reappear in later shots. <laughs> um, Or, like, <laughs> I don't know why this one, like, really cracked me up, but the scene where they're introducing McLeach and his truck is moving through the forest, you can actually see where the animation for the trees that are going to get cut down stops because there are different like artistic consistency than the rest of the background because the backgrounds were painted those all of that stuff was hand painted and all that all, the majority of the actual animation was done through caps so anything that moves or whatever that stuff is all caps but the background still had to exist so it's like caps on top of you know beautifully painted backgrounds there's also some CG that's in there because CG is Very different true. from Caps. Um, so like when Wilbur flies through the uh, the City. Sydney, like the Symphony Hall. What's it called? The Opera House in Sydney? Oh, the Sydney um, Opera House. Yeah, when he flies through there, that's CG and it looks pretty iffy. So there's, yeah, there's some interesting like where you can kind of see where the lines are crossing of the different animation styles. Um, and it's not entirely perfect, but it does look really good. Um this movie is directed by Hendel Butoy and Mike Gabriel. 
written by Jim Cox, Carrie Kirkpatrick, and Brian Simpson. Names. I'm doing it, you guys. I'm done. No, I know. Byron Simpson. Yeah. I'm almost Byron doing Simpson, it. Byron Simpson, I know. Byron Simpson. Uh, <laughs> features the return of Bob Newhart and Ava, Ava Gabor as Bernard and Bianca, and also stars John Candy as Wilbur and George C. Scott as Mick Leach. So, very exciting. Um, Before we get a little further, I do want to let you guys know, this is very sad because this movie was important to me in my childhood, um, and I just found this out. This actually was Ava Gabor's last movie. She passed away in 1995. And yeah, which is her sad. passing is actually what led Disney to not do a third movie. I, I don't know if I wanted a third one. After rewatching this, I'm just kind of like, I know that you wrote that he's like awesome and everything, but bro, Jake is a fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> I'm watching the, your Steve Irwin guy. I know his name. I got this. Okay, I'm just making sure. Um, yeah, he's a dick. He's an absolute asshole in this movie. I, I'm kind of like, every time that he's talking, he's trying to impress Bianca with some story about how he fought five dingoes by himself. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? You're such a fuck boy. <laughs> All right, well, before we get into it, let's read a plot summary. Yeah, let's read a plot summary, indeed. Um, this one is shockingly straightforward, actually. Um, the Rescue Raid Society is uh calls up bernard and bianca to action to rescue a kidnapped cody in australia cody's kidnapper a poacher lets him go in a very sneaky and not at all predictable plan to trick cody into leading them to a rare golden eagle that he would like to ruthlessly murder this evil plot works perfectly and even has the added bonus of capturing bianca and jake and would totally have worked were it not for bernard who actually gets a lot of grit in this movie uh the only character here with any development see i fucking i didn't even read that part yet (laughs) uh showing up just in time to save the day and propose to bianca end of a franchise it's very true (laughs) um and as always it is available on disney plus um that's basically where we're gonna find it um but yeah it uh i forgot that this was basically just a poacher wants this rare eagle I don't know why I thought it was more involved with Cody. Cody is just like wrong place, wrong time. Cody is basically not part of the movie. Um, Yeah. It was weird the degree to which he was like not involved here. Um, I'm also going to point out something super random that literally never gets addressed ever again. McLeach lets him go. And I think this is the Disney plot hole, actually. Or maybe it's just a continuity problem for this movie. Uh, McLeach lets him go to lead to Marahute's nest. Um, and we never go back for the other animals. No, they never show up again. And it's totally weird. They just are abandoned there in that cage, yeah. likely to die, right? Probably. Well, I guess that stupid lizard could get him out with his tail. I hated oh, that guy. But I, yeah, no, they uh, they are like a not part of this movie, which is like not what I remembered from my childhood. Yeah. Um. Should we go to the timeline before we get ourselves off track? <laughs> to the timeline, indeed. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, like we said, it's 1990. 
for historical context, this is the original Bush presidency. President Bush signed the Americans with Disabilities Act into law. NASA deployed the Hubble telescope, or if you're a Thor fan, the Hubble telescope. Uh, Nelson Mandela was released from prison. Iraq invaded Kuwait. Margaret Thatcher resigned as prime minister. Wow, I remember reading that Margaret Thatcher was signed in. Or like was was like no. sworn in. No, she was she was prime minister all through the eighties. No, that's um, what I mean. Like I remember reading that as the historical context. Oh, of the movie. I thought you thought you meant you thought you saw that she was put in during nineteen ninety that you read that for this year. I feel you. Yeah, I remember when we read that in as well. Um, yeah, I, that was crazy. Um, Oscar so, winners. Oscar winners. This movie got nothing. Um, and no, remember. Yeah, and just sort of my regular reminder that we will not have Best Animated Picture as an award until 2001. So mm. it's there's going to be some movies that, like, it's fucking shocking that they don't have an Oscar, and it's because that award doesn't exist yet. So we'll be waiting for a little while, but in the 1991 Oscars, like when this movie would have been considered, had it, had it in any way been considered, um, Dances with Wolves won Best Picture, and it was up against Awakenings, Ghost, The Godfather Part 3, and Goodfellas. Uh, so there's a lot that came out this year, yeah. and those were just the ones that got um, the critical attention. In terms of top grocers, this was Disney's lowest grocer of the 90s. Like, this is a movie that people forget is part of the Renaissance. It only made uh, almost $28 million in its original theatrical run, and it, it ran up that year against Home Alone. So that was, like, the big top yeah. grossing movie. Um, actually, it wasn't the top grocer of the year. It was the third top grocer, which is crazy. But Home Alone was in there. Um, Rescuers Down Under also ran up against a re-release of The Jungle Book that made almost $45 million. Yeah, that adds <laughs> up. This thing's 28 which it's like, oh, my God. So it didn't even come close. Uh, the top yeah. grocer was Ghost. So that had some overlap with the Oscars, which is nice to see. We will see yeah. that become a thing and then cease to be a thing over the timeline. Um Second top grocer was Pretty Woman, and then Home Alone came in third. So we're coming into a time that I consider to be very exciting. I'm like, those are all movies we know. Remember those we used to read movies. the Oscars and be like, and I don't know what this I is. I have no fucking clue what this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, there's no Disney warning on this, despite, um, shockingly, I also forgot this. Uh, there is no warning, despite McLeach putting a literal shotgun in Cody's face. Yeah, but we have never gotten like a violence warning. I know, we've never gotten a gun warning or like a violence warning yet. I feel like we're going to get it on either Lion King or Tarzan. I don't don't, know. I haven't watched them. I don't think so. I haven't seen them on Disney Plus either, but I don't think so. I think that we will see the gun warning come on to Disney Plus in 10 years. I don't think that society gives a fuck right now. You can still buy that shit at Walmart. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I just, I don't think anybody cares. I don't think we'll, that society is going to decide that that matters for a long time. But it is kind of shocking watching these movies and being like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's fucked up. Like, there's this a- is like a, this isn't as bad, but it's almost a Pinocchio situation where I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Like, how did we, like, approve half of this stuff? Well, in Pinocchio, didn't it have the proper upfront Disney, Disney warning? Or No, it just no? had uh, tobacco use. That's insane. Here's the other thing that's well, it's not insane to me, but they're they have um the rescuers in no way, shape, or form have any presence in any Disney park. We talked about it on the first episode of the rescuers, but 
they have no presence whatsoever. They, they, you cannot find them. There are like novelty items you can buy. Like Amanda collects uh, the porcelain, like Disney character figures. You can find them there. But even then, I think they're pretty hard to come by. Well, and let us not forget the McDonald's Rescuers Down Under Bernard and Bianca Christmas ornaments that came out this year. Because I still true. have my Bianca. Because she still has hers. Yes, she Critical. does. Critical. Yep. Mm-hmm. My original Bianca from, from McDonald's. An important plush collectible for your Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Um, sequels and remakes. We already kind of talked about yeah, this. Just this one. There just there isn't one. Yeah. This is the sequel. I am kind of like blown away that they were I didn't know that but I, I'm kind of blown away that they even plan to make a third one I didn't know that at all that's insane to me I am not convinced this movie tanked oh yeah right so I don't word. feel like they were like oh I can't wait to make the rescuers three and then she passed away and they were like oh fuck our movie's not getting made I think it was more <laughs> like now we're definitely not ever going to be able to do that I really doubt that they had like concrete plans because this made first of all it was their first sequel um it was actually it was there well hold on well let's get out of the timeline yeah let's get out of the timeline to the movie um so before we get into the cap stuff, uh, I do want to clarify because you you guys like know that Lindsay watches all the sequels and like the straight to DVD stuff, all that. I, I do want to just clarify when we say that this is the first Disney sequel, this is the first theatrically released Disney sequel. There were other things that came out. There will be things down the road, but this is the first actual direct. Obviously, it's not the Rescuers two, but you know it's it's. There, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there were no direct to VHS. This is the first Mm -hmm. sequel made to a Disney movie, full stop. That's correct. Yeah. Like, there's, I don't, what's your proviso on that? I don't understand. What do you mean there were other things? No, I just, like, there weren't. This was it. There were no sequels made before this. That's what I mean. When they, when we talk about like Disney sequels, I like it being the first, I guess it kind of does cover both of those. This is the first one, uh, just uh, full stop, but, we will get into because we've talked about it before. Like Cinderella had a bunch, and I see. Okay, all right. Yeah. Let me let me let me articulate what you're trying to say. Yeah, please. This it's is early. the first Disney sequel that was ever made, but there are sequels to movies that came out before The Rescuers. Correct. That's so what the, I'm trying Cinderella to say. gets a sequel, but no Disney sequel had ever been made in any way, shape, or form. Not on That's TV, correct. not on direct to VHS, and not in theaters until The Rescuers Down Under. This is the first sequel that was ever made by the Disney company. And That's then they correct. would later make sequels of, of older movies. Um, but yeah, this was the first one. So it's like they go in there and they're like, let's make this sequel. And then it tanks. I really don't think this is the movie they were looking to make their first trilogy. No. I don't, I doubt, like I know there were plans for that movie, but I just doubt they went very far because this no, thing absolutely think... fucking tanked. And the rest of the Renaissance did not. So... No, and that's the craziest part about it. Um, and I think this is one of my little fun facts. I'm not only going to throw this in there because we're kind of theorizing right now, but I think the biggest reason is this is the only Disney movie in the entire Renaissance from 1989 to 1999. That is not a musical. Yes, that is correct. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, in fact, the only Disney movie. I th- I had this for later. Hang on. Let's. 
you're driving me crazy today. I know. I'm Why are we all over the place? I don't know. I just um, no. So it's it's actually it is the only non musical of the Renaissance, but it is only the second Disney movie ever after the Black Cauldron not to have. Not- any Any songs because we've had this discussion around like is little april showers making this a musical right so there's one sort of like it's not a musical but it has music like the song that they actually got nominated for an academy award for in the first movie they had the little girl sings a song for two seconds yeah the rescuers is not a musical but it does have music this is after the black cauldron the second one ever to have no musical numbers of any kind diegetic Mm. or otherwise so yeah uh, i really think that hurts the movie but we'll I'm going to, I'm forcing you back. Bring I'm me like, back. No, that's up. fine. Like, Why we're going back on our caps. Yeah. <laughs> because, well, and I know, and I'm I should have done this from this. OCD from... this morning for this, Scott. I'm I know. I can't I'm have sorry. you all over the document. Well, and I know mind. how much Lindsay loves, like, the entire story of Pixar. So, um, it is, this is very important to, like, the future of Pixar and just the development of Disney and its craft. So, I'll let Lindsay start with where we start. Uh, we obviously start, and that is that this movie looks gorgeous. Yeah, the one thing this really has going for it is Caps, um, yeah. which is the computer animated production systems, right? That's what mm-hmm. it stands for. That's correct. Um, and so Caps is like, it's not CG, right? No. Even though there are certain moments where Caps is used that compared to the hand-drawn standard animation uh, with like a multi-cane camera, it looks 3D. Mm-hmm. Um but or looks like it's CG, but it's not. So caps basically means that drawings could be uploaded into the computer and manipulated digitally. So this is considered to technically be the first fully digitally animated movie, yep. but that is distinct from being a fully computer animated movie, right? It's two yeah. different things because the animation's not being done in the computer, it's being done by hand. And, and then digitally manipulated, yeah. right? And you so, can see it in like small things. Like obviously you see it throughout the flying scene, but you can also see it when we first see Cody in his hammock. The hammock, mm-hmm. you kind of get this like 3D pan around the hammock. There's a lot of 3D. They keep everybody yeah. up in the air this whole movie, which is really smart mm-hmm. uh, and helps show it off. It looks super 3D. It looks vibrant. Um, and it does come from Pixar. So Pixar originally was the name of a computer program is where and it and that is Pixar, right? Like this mm-hmm. is our Pixar that we know came from this. It's not like the same yeah. name coincidence type of thing, right? Yeah, and just like, oh, that's crazy. No, like that's where it, that was Pixar uh, at the time being funded by Steve Jobs. And yeah. I I would, I think, like to do a separate episode on the history of this when we come up on we Toy will. Story because it's fucking fascinating. But but Pixar was the program that was used. So it's like the software. Right. Um, And so basically uh, the Pixar software helped create the technology for caps and caps got used at Disney through 2004, which is the year that uh, adjacent the Incredibles came out through Pixar and Disney's still using caps, which is like created by Pixar like that. It's it's all very incestuous. Um, But. Well, what it was, is, it's, what it's was crazy also really to think interesting. About, like, mm. up to this point, they were just like, I mean, we have this; it's working. And then Pixar was like, "Dude, why don't we just like keep pushing the boundaries?" And, oh yeah, that's and what they were. Disney all about. was like, "No, we're not going to do that. Like, this is working." Did you see how awesome Belle's dress looked when we did the the dance scene? Like, we're good. Mm-hmm. And Pixar was like, "No, fuck you guys." Yeah. 
they well i we definitely will do an episode about that because it's really really interesting um and the other thing that was that was interesting about the way that caps came in here is that it came in fully untested generally speaking we and we haven't really talked about this before um but generally speaking in disney movies even before pixar they would release a short ahead of the movie in theaters Mm -hmm. and the shorts that they made just like pixar does now were kind of how they would test the new technology and it's it's kind of funny that we've never talked about this before now because this has been going on this whole time but with caps they never tested it there was no short made with caps they just said we're gonna fucking do this and the people who made this movie were pissed they were like you can't like we don't want our movie to be made with this thing that nobody's ever seen before. Like the and the one thing that worked about this movie is the way that it looks, and they yeah. like didn't even <laughs> want it. And so, um, but I I really liked it, and in some ways, it looks like the old movies. The way the three D is, it looks like the multi pane camera, but just like way yeah. way sicker. And mm-hmm. it still has, as you mentioned earlier, some of those painted flatter backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and so here's my question. Mm-hmm. Are some of those flatter looking backgrounds a result of the fact that this movie uniquely is trying to draw on the aesthetic of the prior movie? Think, for instance, I think a great analogy, Incredibles 2 still had some of that like it's the first time we ever computer animated a human person look, even though it was like 12 years later and they and yeah. it looked way better. Kind of trying to copy that aesthetic. So I'm wondering if this flat background is a result of them trying to look like the original movie. Um, And if so, do we need to look to Beauty and the Beast to find out what Caps can really do? Because Beauty and the Beast, to my recollection, does not have that effect. It doesn't. And here's the thing, though, is I visually remember the opening of Beauty and the Beast does look like multi-pane. It very much looks like the same intro that we got from uh, Snow White, where we're moving through the woods and like slots of imagery gets moved out of the way and stuff. So it looks like you're moving through it. But, uh, but wait, hang on. Which part? What's the opening of Beauty and the Beast? Are you talking about the the backstory prologue? Because that's supposed yeah. to look like a weird stained glass. That also is an exception. No, that's supposed to look no. Like so a, it's yeah. So that's explaining the prince's story. But the the movie actually the first scene of the movie opens up. Or like after that scene, it opens up on a beautiful sunny day shot of the castle. Well, and to then see it, it, then too. we get the title sequence that shows Beauty and the Beast, and it's got the rose on it and everything. Yeah, I just mean but, that that intro and title sequence is also supposed. It doesn't reflect the way that the rest of the movie looks. No, that's, and that's what I'm trying I'm, to say. So I don't. No, think it and I agree with you. So I think that while this movie does look really good, and while they do take, <clears throat> excuse me, take full advantage of caps every opportunity they can to throw McLeach's truck in the air they do it um it's it was weird uh i do think we have to look to beauty and the beast uh for for seeing what caps really can do yeah Um, because i think they are trying to emulate the old and like have it have a similar look as the old rescuers movie yeah and the problem is that doesn't actually happen very often there are parts of this movie where some of the characters are for some reason lighter in color than they should be or like this the shot of cody flying with marahute and bernard and bianca on his back bernard looks like a fucking gummy bear like just they tried to make it like soft light but he just looks weirdly plushy and gooey a little bit i don't know it just i don't think i 
now knowing now because I didn't know that before we started this, but knowing now that they were just like fuck it, let's go. They didn't test any of this. It does very much show. And I, I kind of said it in the beginning, like you see things just disappear as we're moving through scenes and then reappear later. I think Beauty and the Beast, they had enough time to actually get a grasp on what they can do with caps. And they were like, we got this now. Like, let's make an actual movie with this. I think, I mean, I agree with that. I think my point, though, is more that it is attempting on purpose to look. Oh, yeah. Like the it, old it totally is. That's what yeah. I'm saying is that like, I don't know that we're seeing in this movie the full scope of what they could do even at this time. Yeah. And Beauty and the Beast is only made in 1991. Beauty and the Beast would have been in production same time as this. You know what I mean? So it's not. Uh, I I think they're doing it on purpose. Like when you see the Rescue Aid Society in the beginning, it looks like the first movie. Like it, it has and actually, the I'm animation sure looks shittier. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same exact shot of them all going to their chairs. I mean, it's definitely not because if you look back on the rescuers, it is shockingly worse. Like if you like, I looked back at some of that. It's not actually the same footage. That would have been jarring as fuck. But it, but they're they're on purpose trying to make it look like that. So I don't think that this is the movie where we're going to see everything yeah. the Caps can do because they're on purpose trying to look like a movie made in 1977. So. That's going to hinder them. But otherwise, it looked really, really good. They made great use of it. Like you said, the truck's up in the air all the time. Cody's up in the air, like the whole movie. Like the, Oh, yeah, the they whole time. Get that uh, depth. They're taking full advantage of their ability to do that. And yeah, Bernard and Bianca look totally upgraded. Like they look very different when you put them side by side with the originals. But there's no question it's the same character. Well, yeah, and that's. <clears throat> I think that's the most important part is you still can't recognize them. It's not like, hey, we got new tech. Like, we're going to make them look like hella different kind of thing. Um, it's but why I, say I this use every the time, Incredibles like, analogy, right? No, and that actually is a really good analogy. I completely forgot about that. Uh, what as do you say every like, time, though? Sorry. Oh, um, I actually lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, I say it every time, but water is a huge indication of the steps forward that we've made in animation. And in the beginning, when Marahute is is water skiing cody through the river mm-hmm. look it just looks amazing yeah it does also i'm gonna say this right now this is like this is probably gonna be the most controversial thing i've ever said in my life for this podcast uh cody has a better waterfall dive than pocahontas mm, that's a burn it is a burn and you know why it's because it looks way prettier all she does is jump off the waterfall to dive into the water. He's got birds around him. He's up on this fucking like huge cliff. And he just like is like, Jesus, take the wheel and jumps off. <laughs> like <laughs> He does look pretty good. I don't know why that statement upsets me because I <laughs> I don't really like Pocahontas. Like it's probably my least favorite film of the Renaissance. Like that, well, that and the hunchback, right? Those are two movies that I just like I couldn't give a fuck about pocahontas 99 percent. i'm actually really looking forward to rewatching it because i haven't seen that in like a cool 25 years so we'll see oh i can't i couldn't even tell you from a guesstimation the last time i saw notre dame oh theaters i can tell you right now in theaters i remember walking on a notre dame with my mom and my sister and saying i did not enjoy that and she was like me either what the fuck just happened at disney and we said (laughs) I don't know. Let's not go see another movie until Toy Story comes out is the conversation we had immediately following The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I remember it. And I actually really remember being in the theater for that and hating it. Anyway, I don't know why your Pocahontas statement upsets me, but it does. <laughs> and I look forward to comparing the two scenes because I'm like, oh, 
are you sure? But not yeah. Cody. Cody's flight kind of makes this movie. It's the reason it that I'm going to give it a reasonably high score and not like a three. Like it's because yeah. of the opening scene. Well, because... and so that's a good, that's a good way to like go into this is like be without this, like the plot really is paper thin. Yeah. This just is, it's the plot really that wasn't. Like, yeah. There's kind of not a whole lot happening here. The only person who really gets character growth is Bernard. And even that is barely anything he just gets enough gusto to force the razor back to follow the trail like and then he like because it's not like he wasn't brave enough to propose to bianca the whole time he's been trying to do that the whole movie so yeah, it's not a matter so of like i don't know i do she she was so strong and so smart and so like uh, like leader of the pack in rescuers that the fact that they more basically sidelined her in this movie mm-hmm. kind of blows my mind honestly they sidelined everybody like wilbur has like... more development than bianca i'm just gonna tell you guys that right now a brand new character stuff i yeah i yeah bianca is just i mean all of them are just kind of there the movie's not it has a uh, way too many characters uh, and wait and way too little time and to develop anybody or do anything with yeah. anyone like this plot belongs on an episode of rescue rangers like this is not so. but here's here's what's funny that i think happened to them and it cracks me up a little bit it's like we said in our original review and obviously we're still attracted to this idea because it's like distracted us for the whole first 10 minutes of this podcast that a tv show of the rescue aid society would be lit Right. Like there's that's a would. great yeah. episode of the week, like or adventure of the week kind of thing. Like Rescue Rangers on TV or Rescue Aid Society on TV would be great. Um, but I don't think that they could have had the money and the time to make it look as good as this does. So I think there's a handoff here where they were like, We got nothing for plot, but this yeah. could look really cool when we're in Australia and it's gonna be awesome and like but but we can't make something look this good and put it on like the brand like, new Disney like Channel TV, that yeah. barely existed. Disney Channel barely existed at this point. But yeah, there's there's no character growth here. Nobody's doing anything. Bianca's totally underused. All she does is sit there and be oblivious. Steve Irwin, the... Uh, Jake. Jake, the other mouse. Um, he's fun, but he doesn't really have any character. We'll talk more about him briefly soon. Wilbur, sort of comic relief, but he's also the worst part of the movie and has like no character development whatsoever and gets abandoned in the end. and. Even Cody isn't that compelling. Like, we want him to escape, but mostly just because the bad guy's so bad. And, like, he's just, he's just there. And, like, you said about the mice being sidelined. Yeah. Like, they barely interact with Cody. Oh, they don't even meet Cody until in 56 minutes into this movie. They yeah, don't even meet a, him. Into a 78 minute movie. They yeah. Think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they just they don't have any relationship with him the way that the mice did with the little girl in the first one. And Cody, I mean, I'm not saying that Bernard and Bianca weren't helpful, but honestly, he kind of had this on lock. He kind of did really sort of do everything himself. And here's I'm going to tell you guys this Even, is kind of like he's a little, also useless and like not a good character. He like is. Some, all these things. I don't. Anyway, go on. He would have <laughs> like, been. I'll tell you one thing. Like he would have been useful. Both be true. No, they can't. They are totally true. That's the that's the problem. That's what shows like the muddledness of this movie. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys like my biggest problem with this movie, honestly, is not a plot thing or uh, 
like character development or anything like that. It's because we're talking about Cody that I'm even bringing this up. Um, there in this entire movie, this movie takes place 80%, 85% in Australia. Mm-hmm. There are only two characters that actually have Australian accents. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to save it for when we talk about Cody. Um, okay. I have some background information on this. Okay, thank God. Because not even the radio that they listen to has his mom does his mom has a British accent. The kangaroo that calls him in the beginning has a British accent. The koala that they're that's that's chained up with Frank and the other guys is has a British accent. The only animal that has a British or a, an Australian accent is the other kangaroo that's locked up with them. Yeah, it's it's super weird. And also Jake. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and obviously, and Jake, and Jake actually, to be his, has one, and thank God. Yeah, his actual voice actor is the only native Australian. Yeah, we're gonna talk about this when we talk about Cody. I got issues with that. Have yeah. you not? Are you, how unprepared are you today, Scott? Have you seen none of the notes? Do we not know? Do we not? <laughs> well, uh, no. So, like, <laughs> so like, I put my own stuff in, but like when right, we'll when you there. do yours, I don't like going through yours because I like the whole point of this is to learn. So, like, I don't like going through your stuff unless you're like, dude, I wrote the funniest thing, and then I'm this like, this is right, why you're always out of order because you don't know what's coming. I know. I'm very testy today. I'm like, you are why? very testy. I'm gonna Come. start. I'm gonna be better. You guys I'm heard prepared. it here live, recorded. Scott. I'm gonna be better. I know. <laughs> now we're going to talk about that issue uh momentarily um but yeah so we talked about there's no musical numbers to distract us it's just sort of like the music is good though i i will say this is really good yeah the score is pretty good broughton actually like did a pretty good job and it does have elements of the first one but it doesn't feel as 80s as the first one this feels a lot more like high adventure and like soaring and like it's hopeful really kind of more than anything i guess i don't know i mean the whole movie is somebody sitting in a cage and then like joanna runs around incoherently i will say this though like everybody everybody knows i love cartoon sounds and like fast cartoon motions and shit i laugh even as an adult when McLeach is trying to figure out how to coerce Cody into telling him and Joanna is is tricking him into handing her eggs. Yeah. Moving the box back and forth. That shit cracks me up. Yeah, Joanna's an interesting character. Yeah. <laughs> and calls her a salamander all the time. And he just like, dude, he hates her. That's the other thing that I love about this is he hates her. The first time that we meet McLeach and she knocks him in the hole, he's like, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill that sucking salamander. <laughs> and I'm just like, bro, why do you keep her around? She's a fucking idiot. Like, I I think, do you want to skip to McLeach? No, we're, we're going to go in order because I, I got uh, I got a pound of shit about it. I'm like, we can talk Komodo dragon. All right, so He's let's talk about. Komodo dragon. <laughs> yes, what do you mean? She's a Goana Australian salamander. They're native to northern Northern Australia. Are they gigantic? No. Then what the fuck? I thought she was a Komodo dragon for no reason. No, that's why her name is Joanna. It's G-O-A-N-N-A. Shut up. I'm dead serious. Right. And he never calls her that. They're called Goannas. There's <laughs> like 70 species of them or something. And they live in uh, northern Australia. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> 
Oh, shit. Okay, I'm looking this up right now. Uh, goannas, better known as monitor lizards, belong to the family Varinidae, which also includes the world's largest living lizards. The yeah. Dragons. So they're no, from the same family. she's a monitor family. lizard. That makes sense. That's effectively, yeah. that's very similar. Okay, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, wait, because they are huge. Like a monitor lizard would be the size that she's depicted or close to. Yeah, I mean, um, she's the size of a fucking golden retriever in this. I mean, like, she's no, as I mean, big those as are. Cody. Have you seen how big monitor lizards are? No, no because I know. you fucking useless, <clears throat> not a stoner, haven't seen any any oh David Attenborough. God. I got so much to fix in your life, Scott. <laughs> I swear to God. Also, I am real feisty today, bro. Folks. You are really feisty. I'm like, today. I fucking love it about nothing. I'm like, Scott, stay yeah. in there. My, I have like really bad OCD today. You do. Let's all right. So we're going to say getting excessive. All right. So give me so, Cody. So let's talk about Cody. So this is what I was alluding to with why no one has an accent, um, or at least why <laughs> Cody doesn't have an accent. Yeah. So Joe Ranft, who was one of the storyboard editors, said Cody needs to be Aboriginal Australian. Yeah, he needs to be Indigenous. Right. He should have an accent. He should look like he is an Aboriginal Australian. Katzenberg said no. Of and he said he Yeah, and he said I want a little white blonde kid with an American accent in order to be more and I quote commercial. The so out of here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like and and so I'm already like up on my soapbox calling for a live action remake of this movie I didn't like so that they can cast an Aboriginal <laughs> kid. <laughs> Fuck you, Katzenberg. Like, that sucks, right? Like, those are some of, like, it's, and it's very little, and it's just this one little nugget, but. But it's so noticeable. Like, it's the first thing I remembered watching this. I was like, why? He, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And not Australian? Totally. And none of the animal, like, it's just weird. I will say this, though. Cody's interaction with the animals cracks me up. And it's super cute. Like him waking all the wombats and telling uh, Nelson the whatever the fuck he is, the platypus looking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that shit cracks me up. I remember that viscerally from this movie. And I love the wombats because they're all just like wombats are just little bears. And just like that wombats shit. are cute. I remember. Well, yeah. and I enjoyed that in the beginning, too. And I remember as a kid having the impression and I was uh, shocked to find that nothing in the movie indicated this. <laughs> at all because as a kid i just sort of figured that cody and his mom must have just moved there and been new and right. Cody had some kind of wild thornberries experience in which he learned that he could like communicate with these animals and this was like his little like he snuck away to do this and use his special power that he had nothing in no, the movie indicates absolutely this none. nothing well okay and so to to tailor to that another issue that this movie has is only the animals that need to can talk. Cody can't talk to the wombat. He can't talk to Marahute, which would be hella fucking beneficial to him. Real useful if Marahute could speak. Yeah, but he can talk to the kangaroo, the fucking lizard, and the koala that are locked in the cage with him. But none of the other animals talk. because And you can tell. The plot demands it. Yeah, the plot just demands that he can only talk to the animals that matter. And I realized that I noticed this. You actually can pick it up in the very beginning of the movie. The only animal that talks to him is the kangaroo. And then as he's walking back through the forest after Marahute lets him go, the mouse that is trapped in the spring trap is trying to talk to him. Yeah. And and then it actually does talk to him about handing him the rope and stuff. 
And I was like, okay, but now the the mouse can talk. Why couldn't? Why could the animals in between the size of the kangaroo and the mouse not fucking talk? Like, Dude, I know they're talking, and he doesn't understand them, or like, because he I can talk know. to Bernard and Bianca later, I guess. Right? Do they interact yeah. to that extent? I'm not even sure. Yes, like, they, they do. <laughs> it's 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 strange. Um, Very strange. I did like that that it came full circle from that moment with the mouse, though. Mm-hmm. That um, because in the end. He's yelling to Mara he's the reason. it's a trap and don't come back. Yeah, like this yeah. is like McBad guys. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This like guy's such fucking a name bad again. fucking McDonald's McBad guy is all I was getting because I knew it was Mick something. So he's the McBad the guy. Whatever. And he- <laughs> Yeah, McLeach. Um, but that's that's clearly his his MO, right? To set this little trap. So I thought that that was a nice little bit of writing. Um I also liked how the movie starts where it or ends where it starts. Oh, uh, yeah. Writing Marahute, that looked good. Like there were some nice like like attempts at writing like a complete mm-hmm. story here. Um, it had good bones. I'll give you that. It had good bones to make something worthwhile. I think if they had given it, see, I don't know because I don't want to make this like a magic mo- movie because I so I don't want him to have like a like a like a wild thornberries situation he doesn't need to and yeah. also just mad respect to the thornberries i, just, I know big time i love God, you tim curry I fucking loved eliza thornberry tim curry was in the in the wild thornberries he's her dad ha no way he's nigel yeah. nigel yeah. thornberry i fucking know the thornberry i love that show anyway um i love you i, do- <laughs> I love you <laughs> Do you, know, do you like that I know nobody's name ever? Or I anything, know. But I think that's so amazing, dude. I can't wait till we do Rings of Power. I like know who all these people I are. I know. I, um, so anyway, uh, the point is, I don't think it would have needed magic because the first movie doesn't include it. I just think right. we should have been able to talk to all the animals. We're talking to them. Let's all talk. And the degree to which like like the fluctuating degree of realism in the animals. Right. Like Marahute definitely isn't going to talk to you. He also has like dead eyes and no soul. You know what I mean? Like he was like a great white shark looking fucking eagle up here, bro. (laughs) Some like real uncanny valley. Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And they gave the animator a uh, a real eagle, a real eagle. Yeah. Like a stuffed eagle to look at and like make it as realistic as they could. So it's funny that they have like certain animals and elements that are hyper realistic and some that are like really not and then some of them can talk and some of them can't and like and and cody over here is just he got he has no personality and no character growth at all he just is like i want to protect the eagle and the other animals in the outback and i'm like cool all right like and but there's so what i think is um and we have said this before but it has been a minute uh, mm. Since we have said this, there is a branch of the infinite multiverse in which lives the missing 15 to 30 minutes oh, of all these yeah. movies. Of all these movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the missing 15, I would, I would say there might be. I'd give it 10. Maybe there's I think 20. I could have used like another 10 to, 10 to 12 minutes. Let's say 15. Fifth, I'll I give say, it a cool 15, 15. Yeah. I think, I think 15 to find out like, who is this kid? What's his like? Give I just all we find out is his anything. dad's gone. 
anything. Well, and yeah, so his dad's gone, but he has a mom and he's already living his best life. So that at mm-hmm. least is like a little bit uh, refreshing, right? Like yeah. he's not an orphan. He's, I would have liked some backstory on that and like more time with the rescuers and like way less time with Wilbur. Who's the next thing? Yeah, to talk about. the weird hospital Numbus. thing was like, why? I don't get that. I really I don't get that. I do appreciate it. his use of Cowabunga because it is the 90s. And right before this was the first of the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I want you guys to know I begged Lindsay to do and we're not doing it because it does, it is not a great movie. Scott suggested it and I like. Fifty percent blew him off, and then never texted him back about it. So no, I don't want to do that movie. I, yeah, it no. Like I will probably, bitch. I will probably do one because I loved the second one. I will probably do one exclusive for the Patreon. But no, well, we're we not. Do a turtle I, extravaganza or something. We probably should. Yeah, I can't. <clears throat> I'm teenage like teenage turtles. But any hoodles. I love them, but I, I'm those creepy <clears throat> anime. I'm like, if I see one more fucking entirely practical effects, like creepy eighty style <laughs> genre movie, I'm out. I'm like, come back to me after we've been in the '90s for a minute, because I'm like, right now, doing the turtles makes me want to die. I'm like, I can't go back to it. Like, it's like never ending story. Like, there has to be more for us. I can't do it. I will never I, make Lindsay do another never ending story style movie again. God, I you'll should... notice that we skipped Labyrinth. I didn't want to do it. I, but but no, the moment where he does dive down towards the streets of New York City screaming cowabunga is mm-hmm. like as though to formally announce the arrival of the 1990s. Right? I agree. Like, yep. it's, that was pretty great. I enjoyed that. His whole thing, um, he's here because the voice actor for uh, his the other one, the last Albatross, the other, they're named after the Wright brothers. Oh, Orville. Yeah. Orville. Yeah. Aren't they named after the Wright brothers? Yes, they are. Yeah. So Orville, the voice actor, passed away in 88. Mm. And so that's the cause of Orville not being there. And they have it's to find Wilbur's spot. And it's his brother. Yeah. And he does fucking nothing. Like, I understand they needed to have an albatross. Fine. You know, as a callback. They end up taking a plane anyway. Because. <laughs> yeah. Wilbur's like, nah. Get the hook up with a bigger bird. I'll fly you up to this other plane, and then we'll we'll all fly to Australia. Like what? All so- of this movie too is like about him having back pain. Like I that I must have slept on a bolt. I'm like, or you slept on the sardine can with the two mice on your fucking back, you lazy piece of shit. Seriously, and then he gets uh, I the, the mice doctors, and it's just awful. Like it just it serves nothing to the plot. I didn't find it very funny or entertaining was really zoned out for that part of the movie and then he just gets abandoned while the eagle's eggs hatch and it's like marahute and his soulless depths are gonna show up and murder you for being well and that's that's what i was thinking like is this gonna turn into like a donkey dragon situation or is this like no marahute's gone directly back for the eggs after he drops off cody he went or she went straight back to her nest and and now now Wilbur's dead because she Wilbur's perceived him to be yeah. a threat. They have or no maybe way she home. realized that he helped sit on the eggs and she says thank you, goodbye. I mean she is per- perceptive enough to give him a feather, so I just can't believe that he like anyway, Wilbur's the worst. Steve Irwin was sexy though. Um I enjoyed that he's a kangaroo mouse. That's kind of hilarious. Yeah, that is really funny. And I like that we get like a 
contingency of the rescue aid society from abroad like because we know that that's their whole deal yeah. right like it tracks that somebody from the society would meet them there so i, I don't enjoy know that. though like i don't know if he's part of the rescue aid society or not or if he just runs the runway i think he's supposed to be part of the rescue aid society i th- i think so um he never mentions it he just knows about the kid that mcleach took but i'm just thinking about it right now the only ones who know that McLeach took the kid are the RAS. So he would have to be a part of them to know. Yeah, I think he's part of the, the network. the police don't know. So yeah, okay, all right, fair. Exactly. The Rangers, right, as they call, yeah. as they refer to them multiple times Constantly. through the movie and never the pop Rangers. up, like these terrifying Rangers that are coming. And I'm going to tell the Rangers on you, and it's like, where are these motherfuckers? They're looking for him. Jesus. Bowl. Yeah, they think he's eaten. Mm-hmm. But uh but yeah, so I like that and it made me wish even more for the TV show because I think it would have been fun to see mice from like all over the world and like yeah. they go on different adventures to different places and there's mice from there. Like that sounds like really cool, but it's not what happened. So not Disney canon, close. what the fuck? Yeah. Um, what does Steve Irwin here to actually do? That's my question like Bernard this whole time. Jealous. Is it's it really like Bernard that's, Jealous? Yeah. Well, okay, so because here's what like... I just Even didn't this like movie's him. not about anything. The thing that this movie is about is Bernard trying to propose to Bianca. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that's actually a through line through this whole movie. And yeah. except for the scenes that involve Marahude or, yeah. you know, our protagonist Cody or, you know, none of that <laughs> has anything to do with the thing the movie's about because this movie's a shit show. But, uh, but Bernard trying to propose to Bianca is the whole crux of this and that he doesn't really yeah. know how to just come out and say it. And he tries to at dinner and then she like rushes them off onto their next adventure because she's just being totally oblivious and he can't spit the words out. Yeah. And so the whole Jake thing, I think, is just too um, like he's clearly hitting on Bianca in an oh, inappropriate yeah, way. Um, I also don't think it's been made clear that she and Bernard are together, but I found Jake to be highly unprofessional with Bianca. Uh, Bernard also like gets a bad fucking time in this movie, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why he doesn't let go of the squirrel's tail right away, but he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then the squirrel fucking flings him into a thorn bush. (laughs) And he almost gets left behind. Well, so Actually, no, he does get left behind um, eventually. He almost doesn't make it onto the snake. And Bianca is like, whatever. Yeah, he doesn't even care. She Well, it doesn't seem like it. Like she's, or she's just. He also almost falls off of the squirrel. He like, he literally legitimately almost falls off. And she's just like, isn't this so much fun? And (laughs) yeah, like. Well, she, I feel like she's like more confident in his abilities than he is like she doesn't feel like I mean, he's like, about yeah, to get she, left behind right yeah. so i don't think it comes from a place of like i don't care about you more out of a place of like i'm being really oblivious. i don't have to worry about him like i'm not worried well like she thinks he's fine even yeah. though he's like obviously about to not make it and then eventually doesn't make it and that's like the plot of the movie right for the 10 minutes that it occurs but what i found interesting was that when they're on the they're like running along the the tires Oh, the thread McBad guys thing. Yeah. Yeah. The thread. Um, Bernard is like, she almost falls behind and he like almost sacrifices himself to get her. Like he in no way is going to leave her behind where she like totally leaves. She's always by. Yeah, dude. I don't like, 
Bianca, what the fuck? Like, so I noticed that and didn't love it. And he also is hella smart, too. I just want to point this out. Like, they're in a very high stress situation where shit is moving all around them. And his immediate thought is get between the treads. Mm hmm. Dude, yeah, like, good on you, smart. Bernard. The fact that they survived that is yeah. real shocking. It kind of is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like really but steve Irwin is highly competent as he runs around the outback and yeah he's, he's hitting on Bianca. he's got his arm around her like the whole time and bernard is like Fuck it you, actually bro. kind of reminds me of uh jurassic park a little bit oh with uh malcolm <laughs> yeah and the water <laughs> and the water yeah like he's just obviously hitting on her in front of grant like the whole time and she's just sort of rolling with it because she doesn't realize that she's being hit on alan this Um, is brilliant look at this yeah right yeah exactly exactly like this feels like that (laughs) moment doesn't it (laughs) i would i would be so happy i would be shocked if it's true but i would be so happy if somebody watched this movie and then was like dude why don't we make like ian malcolm just like jake (laughs) (laughs) so funny yeah I mean, honestly, though, Ian Malcolm was pretty sexy in that movie. We could, must, lest we forget this the topless scene, scene and yeah. yeah, like actually, kind of was a rip Jeff on Jake. Goldblum it's funny. Plays it. Yeah, yeah, he does. Goldblum. <laughs> God damn, I love the nineties. But yeah, so that's kind of the purpose of Steve Irwin here is just to, I think, add drama to Bernard not being able to get the proposal out that he's like interrupting yeah. them and that he's kind of like making Bernard second guess, which I'm like, great, get married. Yeah, you're not totally 100% sure about each other's commitment. Great. Get like, well, and I think it's, God. it comes from him. Like, dude, let's calm down. Uh, I don't think <laughs> all the way. I think it's from more like she, I, I think you're right. You said it a minute ago, but uh, she is more sure of bernard's abilities than bernard is and i think a lot of it comes from bernard just not believing that she would want to be with him and you see that when she when he misinterprets what she says about what francois said as like francois told me like all about it and i think it's a wonderful idea and he's like you do you do uh it's uh awesome okay uh how does next april sound and he's trying to like plan the wedding and she's like no we gotta do it right now and he's like oh my god like she actually like wants to marry me like that's crazy yeah he's like surprised like honestly I feel like it would have worked better in this movie if it wasn't like, did they actually, were they like canon together at the end of the last movie? They were right. They kissed or they I had mean, some they kind kiss. of, she kisses him when they're flying. Yeah. Like they're on the cheek and he together. puts his arm around her in the yeah. very end. Right. I just, I wonder if it wouldn't have worked better if it was like a little more modern. What if they were already like, married? Like, because that did there, we don't see anything after this. Like the, the movie should have ended with their wedding. I think. Yeah, that's maybe some of the extra missing footage. Yeah, the 10, 15 minutes that we didn't get. Well, I was going to say, what if it was a little more modern in that, like, because it feels like this isn't Bernard asking her to marry him. It feels like this is Bernard asking her to be with him at all. Oh, like, yeah. Do you want to make this official? Like, yeah. we had that snuggle, and then maybe I never made a move. Maybe it never transpired after that, and we've just been partners, and I haven't ever really made a move and like what if he wants to take it to the next level like that would be the more modern like slightly more adult live action rescuers down under that i'm yeah (laughs) that i welcome frankly like i think if they wanted to make this into like a two and a half hour you know yeah love story i could get down like this isn't a bad like the bones are here for something good i just i think the live action like two and a bit hours maybe just two hours right this could be you know an hour 45 or two hours 
rescuers live action in which Bernard never made a move and this is him trying to get together at all. Because, yeah, his lack of certainty over whether they're together. Right? Like, and the fact that he's just openly hitting on her and and he never does what Dr. Grant did, which was say, we're together. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's not just like, hey, back off, dude. No, Dr. Grant is like, yeah, I'm with her. Right? I mean, to be fair. Ian Malcolm has to ask. He also but doesn't Grant care. Does clarify, right? He's re- oh no, Malcolm doesn't give a fuck. Dude, that's I remember that. Scene. That would speak about Steve Irwin here if they'd had that conversation. I know like, if he had asked. Doesn't know. Nobody's calling it out. It feels like they're not together, and I feel like that's what the story should have been for them. I agree. Actually, I'm I'm kind of behind that one. We did somehow turn this into a, like a Bernard and Bianca conversation when we were talking about Steve Irwin, but I'm fine with that because I don't have Bianca in here as a because she's not in here, man. Well, she like, isn't in just, the movie. Yeah. It devastates it's me because i really love bianca like she's that's kind of what blew my mind about rewatching this honestly i was just like dude she's not doing anything this whole thing was weird on rewatch because i fucking loved this movie yeah. as a kid loved it yeah me too i was so excited to like do this movie i'm like yeah rescuers down under dope right like nah not really there's not it's really kind of meh there's not a lot going on here i but so Riddle me this, Scott. Uh, yeah. Do you love McBadGuy because he is just McBadGuy for the sake of being bad? So or... he's not bad guy for the sake of being bad. Tell me what you think about this guy. So he doesn't do things just because he can do them. He's doing them out of greed. He talks about how much Marahute would be worth. And he even tries to strike a bargain with Cody that he'll split the money right. for selling right. her 50-50. The thing that I don't get about him is he got the dad so are we the just other supposed eagle to, yeah he right. tells cody that he killed him so are we just supposed to know that he is bad with money <laughs> like right or, because my question about that was like like i understand that's his stated motivation but we don't see any riches like unlike the bad guy in the first movie right that was like part of who she was, was all these gems. And, yeah, she and ran the cash. pawn shop and she had all this like stuff and she was just trying to es- escalate her station. In this right. one, it just seems more like McLeach just fucking loves killing animals. Yeah, dude. Like, and the he's, the animals themselves imply like you're like that fucking sexist bullshit of like you're gonna leave as a purse a woman's purse and he throws a fit and i was just like yeah i I mean it's also the 90s though so i know nobody's trying to hurt me i just am like (laughs) god damn it like i just fuck give us some pockets and maybe we won't need to carry a purse and it won't have to be made of this this rare lizard that i just have like pockets (laughs) anyway i like, come on, I know the ladies are with me. <laughs> I think that, no, and that totally is. And he even does the little, like, I will say this, this is really, I can't believe we didn't bring this up when we were talking about Bianca, but she is so much less sexualized in this one than she was in the first one. Totally, totally. You're right about that, actually. There's no ogling of Miss Bianca. Yeah. There's a lot of cred for their growth, eff- efficacy as a team. Which is ironic that we're about to watch Five Goes West, where they womanize and objectify the shit out of miss kitty and fievel's sister we are about to be treated to that i get well, it. okay so like back to mccleach though yeah um, i his, fucking hate, i hate this guy but go i on. i actually don't 
love him as a Disney villain either. He is very forgettable as a Disney villain. Um, I would never put him on. If you had asked me to make a list of all the bad guys of the Renaissance, I would not remember him. And if you asked me to make a, a list of all the movies in the Renaissance, I would have included this movie. So I, that's the thing. Like he, it's, it's weird, right? His plan. I'm gonna be honest with you. He is. He is really funny to me. Like his whole comment about I didn't complete all the way up to third grade for nothing. Oh, no, like that, that was shit was line. that was really funny to me. Or when he's like giving Joanna shit. Did you know that there was a Razorback in my truck? Like I don't, that shit. Just like that shit was I really funny. His dynamic with Joanna. Yeah, I just did. I even though I kind of, well they we'll underutilized we'll Joanna about her in a, a lot, second. But yeah. um, my biggest problem with him is. Probably the biggest problem I have with this movie is in in general is it's very two dimensional. He's just a poacher. I can't tell if he wants to sell them for money or he literally just loves hurting animals because half this movie is him beating the shit. Oh, out of or Joanna. if I'm gonna let you keep talking about this is where I just got us on that that wicked tangent. Um, what I was going to say is is he actually like producing purses and stuff. Right, because they oh. all talk like that's what's going to happen. Like, is he there, like making furs, like Cruella was going to do? Cruella wasn't going to. She wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't going to kill she him. Was I mean, she was going to make gonna, Yeah, she was going to make the actual. Her probe. husband in the book. Remember, they don't ever specify it in the movies, but, but like it is canon no. that he. No, her husband was like a fur maker. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's like right, they that's were. Right. They had like the means to do this. They were going to yeah. like make the coats so and they talk i don't know if it's just them being dramatic and having their weird scene where they're like you're gonna leave here as a purse or was he actually going to do that like was that hyperbole or is that really what's gonna happen like is he actually there like making these goods or is he like selling i think it's more he's selling them i think because we don't well and here i don't know because a little fun fact about McLeach for you. He originally in the in the uh, first draft of the movie was supposed to be killed by dingoes uh, <laughs> instead of falling off the waterfall. And Disney was or uh, uh, Bob Iger was like, um, are you serious right now? <laughs> no, that's horrifying. <laughs> he can't be torn apart by like yeah. our protagonist. <laughs> but fun fact for you. The idea of his death eventually became Scar's death. Oh, yeah. They kept that idea on paper. They're like, you know what? Let's just have someone get mauled by animals at some point in our movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, where it made sense is to have it be animals killing animals. Killing animals, animals. Where yeah. that's all the, yeah, rather than like the, this delineation between like the good guys or the animals. Right. Exactly. And, and I then think. Have them murder this guy. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it was the bad guys that killed him, right? It was different animals. Right, yeah, it was just bad other guys. bad guys. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think yeah. the way that this should have ended for McLeach, honestly, is that the other animals that we already explained earlier in the movie just get completely forgotten about. Um, yeah. There's, I kind of like, I don't know why, but I'm sort of remembering like a post credit scene where they're all still just sitting there talking about how they're locked up. I'm kind of, I don't know why I don't want to go back and watch it because I don't that care. There's a post credit scene. Yeah. Of the, I viscerally remember the post credit scene. What you're thinking of in this movie is, is not Wilbur a on the it's nest. The last scene of Wilbur. Yeah. Okay. It's All right. Then, yeah. There isn't then. anything. Okay. Wait, I'm still here. You guys forgot about me. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, there has to be, there's obviously a better way for them to get back to the UK other than taking Wilbur. Cause they oh, don't I know. appear to need him. Yeah, um, um, I think this should have ended with the animals that are locked up. They go back to like rescue them or the big fight like uh, McLeach gets thwarted and he has to escape. So he tries to go back and take some of the animals he's already captured. 
and then Cody and them like arrive with other animals and he either gets like stampeded or the the hideout like implodes on him and he's buried alive or something. But I think for us to like for him to literally make the comment, it's so fourth wall breaking, but it's not intentional. He's like, say goodbye to your friends, boy. You'll never see him again. And then slams the door. And I'm like, oh, we actually will like not see them again. No, like, they're gone. Like forever. literally. Um, I just think they, they could well, have done something more with him. I also think he should have been eaten by the crocodiles. I'm kind of with Bob Iger on this. I don't love him being murdered by the Dingoes animals he was going to murder. Like, yeah. I just, I feel like, well, and I don't want those characters to come back because I didn't like them. So I have that going as well, where I'm like, and don't She's be. already on that like, hill. Like, we should have. We should have like not had that scene and like had a completely different. I'm ready to rewrite this shit for the live action. You are, like, I know. Snap. We got 15 minutes in the other multiverse. Let's bring that in. Somebody call America Chavez. We're going to put this well, movie back together. Like I, having but- them in that room didn't add anything because he eventually just gets let go by McLeach. So if he had just been stuck in that room, chained to the map where he was throwing knives at him, that could have been the same thing, and we would have never even known about these animals. That he, he captures other animals. And, well, yeah, I guess he gives you a timeline, too. Because they say, we're going to put you here overnight, and then we get the scenes of, like, his mom looking for him, and it gives it gives McBadguy time to, like, yeah. plant his backpack in Crocodile Canyon or whatever, which no, I was No, like, he does that shit. with Cody. He does that with him. He's like, oh, the Rangers he? will find me. And he's like, oh, boo-hoo, my poor little boy was eaten by the crocodiles. And he throws oh, it, and then God. shows the crocodiles can eat, or, like, eat his uh, backpack. Okay. Well, it also gives what I'm sure they thought was solid, like, um, world building and comic relief. Because yeah. if that scene wasn't there, we actually would have no idea what this guy does. Right? What, so it's actually, like, he just probably tells you good he's that a it's poacher, in here. But, yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, we wouldn't be having the question about, like, what is he how does he actually make money right. yeah like where it's does he get like, all this money from yeah. not invalid that the scene be in there it's just like i don't know and he's just so evil like it's really unbelievable to me like they don't hammer in because we don't see any of his like spoils for his like we don't see how he spends his money or Some, what it gets for or him or it really. just like goes all into his truck because he i will it's, say this yeah, though right. his, it goes all into his yeah, hunting gear goes into his fucking truck uh the gun that he uses to trap Marahute is fucking crazy. That shit is insane. Um, yeah, that's where the money. The going. big hook. Had we thing? had yeah, that that's... though, I, I think I think it might have been more like, oh, I get why this is happening, but without yeah. seeing that, it's like, dude, you can't just imprison a child you caught in your trap. Like, you don't For get to real. just bring that kid back with you and like torture them. I mean, he talks about like, well, I could lay him in a a ants nest or something and he'll he be tells it's him like, to put him in a giant ants nest or yeah, an he talks hill. about torturing him and it's like you can't just do that like this guy at least is like he's he is super super evil. incredibly evil yeah um and but like I they do, do a good like job joanna. They, i do love joanna dude oh my god even though the only time i don't like her misused. is when she like yeah she the only time that she annoys me is uh when she keeps randomly just coming back in and checking on the animals that part just like i get it that she has to to thwart the plan of getting the key but it also leads to me hating frank so much the fucking uh lizard Ugh, frank is the worst part of this movie other yeah. than the albatross other than the albatross but <laughs> i love her so much i love that somehow everything that goes wrong is her fault even when it actually is her fault it's still like funny to me like joanna did you eat my eggs 
Yeah, right. Like, I well, and I found myself like almost wishing that he had two bad guy sidekicks. Right. <laughs> because I kind of liked the doofy, like, did you take my shit? Like, that's not for you. That's you can have any other kind of egg. And like her kind of like her relationship with him was kind of funny. Yeah. But I also wanted her to be more menacing, and she was generally with the animals, but I'm like, it she was, was like, when he wasn't involved. Like she was scary when he wasn't around. Yeah, right. Like, and then when she's with him, she's so like kind of useless and simpering. And like, yeah. I thought that she should have been scarier. So maybe there needed to be two, and like he respected one of them, and one of them. Yeah, was, like, the but you know why I don't <laughs> think we did that though is because Madame Medusa had two crocodiles, and I feel and like we would have just Ursula just had two. And she, well, yeah, and, yeah, movie. she just had two. I feel like they would have been like, no, we're repeating. Maybe there were supposed to be two. Yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> dude, I just like. He the I think the thing that makes him such a good like partner with her is there are times where he's like good job Joanna like when she finds he's pointing the gun at she's going to kill her and then he sees uh-huh. the feather but also like I love when he's nice to her right before he's a total dick like I don't know why but that shit cracks me up and he's like got your hands caught in the cookie jar huh and she's just like Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did like when she stole the eggs. It, she reminds me of the raptors cr- in the second Lamb Before Time movie. Oh my god! Like, I know. Which is another like, better animated like, movie, but that movie straight up is better than this one. Though. It is. I just <laughs> I still Chompers born. It's true. It I'm is. sorry. And then he tries to eat Sarah. I remember that movie so much. Dude. Apologize to the universe for my knowledge of that. No, never. That's great. <laughs> Um, uh, um, I, I just think that like his interactions with her made this a little bit more enjoyable for me. Like, I, I don't know why, but the whole scene where he's like, Joanna, did you know that there was a Razorback in my truck? Like, he's just talking to her like she was like out for a stroll and he's telling her a story when she came back. <laughs> but it's really like, get the fucking Razorback out of my truck. <laughs> Oh my god. And and that A was funny and B leads us right into Bernard, right? Who rode yeah. the razor back. Brought down the razor into back town. there, yeah. So how does Bernard get separated again from them? He falls uh, off the truck and they get trapped trying to free Cody. Jake and Bianca right. are trying to cut Cody free from the ropes. And then I believe Bernard fall he either can't get a good grip on the rope. Or when they cut part of it, he gets flung off the back of the truck. And this is after, yeah, and they've captured yeah. uh, the eagle in the nest, and he's hanging on the thing, and they're up in the air because they're up in the air the whole movie, right? Yeah. Um, that was the only time where I felt like, except for Bernard in the end, where the mice helped because they did, st- they did kind of like Jake like lassos him, and somehow his mouse body stops him from <laughs> falling off the thing. And I'm like, Jake and the lasso throwing it out there whenever he this starts kangaroo super mouse is able to hold this 70, 80 pound kid. All right, dude. Maybe it's Ant Man rules, man. You never know, bro. Maybe he's the strength of an ant. They can lift ten times his body weight. I don't fucking. That's what know. I mean. That's what Ant Man rules are. That's what Ant Man can anyway. <laughs> Um, this is the fourth of a bullet. <laughs> so Bernard gets separated, and then he has his own little mini arc, sort of, where he self confidence building. Yeah, like he's all jealous and kind of ineffectual, 
And then he has this little mini solo adventure and becomes capable. And it's like Jake shows him earlier how to like grab that thing by the face. Yeah. Which reminded me of Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt in Jurassic Park 6. <laughs> so Jurassic, so, so, Jurassic so Furious. You still haven't seen it, right? <laughs> I haven't yet. I'm waiting for it to come on stream and then I'm going to But I told it. you about Chris Pratt when he, he just like shoves the away the, the Dilophosaurus. Yeah. He just grabs it by the face and he says, nah. And he kicks it and he says, go away. And it runs away. And it's like, yes. Why hasn't this been happening in all the Jurassic Park movies? You just grab it by the face and tell it nah. It was that was I I like died laughing in the theater like multiple times. I can't I feel really bad for the people I saw that movie with when I'm like yelling out like, yeah, get fucked at like the bad guy. Oh dude, that's how oh my god. I wish you had been with us when we went to go Not see uh loud, that, like Pacific that, Rim. We were loud, dude. Pacific Rim, me and my cousin Matt, we were just like we were standing up. Like we were watching some kind of like live UFC fight when he picks up the oil tanker like a baseball bat and just beats the shit out of this other thing. We were just like, give him the left hook. Like, dude, we were all oh, It was so awesome. Isn't it funny when you're in theaters for something you should objectively be seeing at home because you're just <laughs> like really taking, taking it super seriously and you're kind of like yelling at the TV. But like you should absolutely not be in public. Yeah, you're like, no, this is not a great time to be here right now. Yeah, I 100% should not have been in the theater for Jurassic Park. I can't <laughs> wait for you to see that movie. But it did remind me of Jake lassoing the snake, right? Yeah. And and so he kind of shows Bernard that trick, and then Bernard does it. He doesn't even lasso him. He just grabs him by the face with the yeah, yeah, like very Chris Pratt, right? He's like, you yeah. are gonna fucking take me after that truck, and the, and this pig is like, okay, holy He's shit, like, oh shit, fuck, damn, <laughs> like. So I did enjoy that. And the other thing that I enjoyed was Bianca's certainty that that's what would happen. That worked for me. Like that Jake. That she believed in him to know like he's going to come save us and stuff. Yeah. I do really like Jake's been like doubting Bernard this whole time being like, oh, yeah, Yeah, he's been shitting on him and he's been disrespecting him and he's been like hitting on Bianca and Bianca's just totally oblivious. Right. And, um, and then Bianca's like, no, you don't know Bernard, dude. Like, we're we're a rescue team. Like, he's coming. And Jake is, because Jake's like, well, we're fucked now. Yeah, no, basically. Now we're done. Like, there's nothing that can help us. And she's like, what about Bernard? And he's like, what about Bernard? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, dude, he's, I think so what's so mean. funny to me is he's so condescending about Bernard, even yeah. after, uh, I almost called her Olivia, even after Bianca is like, he'll save us. He's like, Bruno. <laughs> like oh what's, what's bruno gonna do and i'm yeah, just like exactly. dude that was she bad. literally just said like who the fuck are you to <laughs> to like to doubt this lady that you just met what three days ago well he's super arrogant right like that's yeah. his character so i guess he has some character he has zero character development like he doesn't no, nothing he or does grow me, to respect bernard at the end does he but, like have a moment with bernard where he does he apologize or he doesn't apologize yeah he shakes his hand he's like you're all right bruno or i think he does actually yeah, call him bernard not, or something but that's, that's not, not enough. good enough jake that's yeah. that's fucking pathetic <laughs> yeah Steve Irwin could have done better there. Bernard deserved better. Because honestly, he like does. Bernard, like to do that by himself is impressive for any of them. Oh, dude, know? he even dives into the water to get Cody. That like, are great. you kidding he kills, me? He kills McBad Guy. Yeah, he, he does. This is the final push that knocks McBad Guy into the crock water. And then he dives in to rescue Cody, like you said, which is like, how the fuck is he even gonna accomplish this? Yeah. Um, it was pretty it was pretty impressive. And the, the other, like the the cherry on top of that to me is like Jake is just standing there. 
watching that. Like he tried to rope Cody and that helped for a minute, but then Bernard jumps in and then Jake's like, what? <laughs> like he's, Jake's just not, he's, he's just not top notch. You know, I mean, not, we know man. Bernard and Bianca have been on a number of missions based on how the rescue aid society uh, reacts to them. Right. Like yeah. it's clear that they have a reputation and they've been working together as partners oh, yeah. and they're fucking awesome. Right. They're like the James so, Bonds of the, of the RAS. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so we know, we should know that he's like more than capable of pulling off some shit, but it's still pretty impressive. And yeah, they're top tier. Jake is like not he's not on the level of Bernard and Bianca. Of course he doesn't jump in. Oh yeah. I like how it, it suddenly turns into a waterfall. A waterfall. I was just reading your note right now. He's like he dives into croc infested waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> that that escalated quickly. Like how did it was that was like a why is it always on a cliff that no one saw beforehand? Yeah. How did you? It was like in the gorge. Like it seemed like low lying water that yeah. was stagnant, full of crocs. Like, and then, but, um, so. Give me, give me the rumor requirement because there is, uh, I'm done with Bernard. Bernard Bernard was the key of this movie. He did good. Yeah. He did good. Could have been. this movie afloat. This movie could have either been like a two hour long live action, like much yeah. more in depth movie or like a 30 minute episode of an animated TV show, but it's not this. Like it does this play out like an episode thing. or like a two part season premiere. Yeah. Like the first episode <laughs> yes. could have ended with them getting captured by McLeach. There's just, there's just so little that happens. Yeah. It's just so, so, um, all right, we talked a lot about the TV show and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what we haven't talked about in rumor requirement. We already hit on most of this. David Gabor. Oh yeah, I yeah, forgot. Uh, Russie Taylor, that. who is the voice of Minnie Mouse, was also the voice of the Nurse Mice. Huh. Mm-hmm. We did mention this is the shortest uh, Disney film in the Renaissance at an hour and seventeen minutes, not including credits. But the most interesting part about this to me is this movie did so poorly in its opening weekend that Katzenberg literally pulled all advertisements for it. Yeah, it and just I think hurt so hard that way. weekend. Definitely. That's just like, that's insane to me. Well, and you also have to remember they're competing with Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I just by that open, by that Monday you had to know you were done. You had to I, know you were sunk. I think so. I don't know how you compete with Home Alone that yeah, year. Like, that's... especially not with, with the movie with so little heart. That was the problem for me. It just did. I didn't connect to these guys at all. Um, I think we're ready to go into ratings. Like we kind of hit on all the rumor requirements. Did, stuff. Yeah. There really wasn't a whole lot of like behind no. the scenes stuff. I mean, we, t- we just already talked about it all, but I have yeah. to give this movie on a rewatch. I have to give this like a 6.3. Okay. That's pretty low. I it just it's gonna be I can tell you right now I guarantee you it's gonna be the lowest of the Disney Renaissance movies um and I think to me it is might be it's gonna be lower oh actually that's true although my favorite Disney quote of all time comes from that movie so I may be biased please don't let it be that you're playing whatever with a bird I hate that stupid line no what the fuck no oh good I'm losing to a bird or whatever and I'm like Oh, that shit's fucking hilarious. But no, uh, that is not it. I didn't think anything in Hunchback was funny. I oh just, my god, I know, we'll see when we rewatch it. That was not my game. I did not like that. I just remember it being dark as fuck, dude. 
But anyway, so like six, I give this a 6.3. It just, it was funny enough for me to make it through the movie. I cheered enough for Bernard to like get his grit back. Um, But there was just, even before I did my research, there was so many problems I had with this. None of them having Australian accents. Wilbur being the entire hospital scene with Wilbur was so pointless. Them completely forgetting about the animals locked up is so dumb to me. I cannot believe that is like such a scathing plot hole. Such a large portion of the movie there for it to never come back again. It was so weird. Um, I just I can't I can't go higher than that. And it sucks because this was like I do remember this was like one of those movies I watched all the time as a kid, and it just because I didn't have Rescuers on deep on on VHS. I had Rescuers down under, and it yeah. I just I can't, man. It sucks, and I I'm worried now that you've said that. I'm worried that the same thing is going to happen with Five Goes West. I don't know. I think you're right now. You convinced me, and I convinced you because I'm like, <laughs> nah, Don Bluth. Like, we don't have any reason to suspect that Don Bluth doesn't have uh, something up his sleeve. Yeah, doesn't have something that we haven't noticed before. Because I remember liking it as a kid, and it just strikes me as like when I remember some of those scenes, like you were saying. Yeah. Like and I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember a lot of this, and I did hate the stupid cat that's their friend, and I did oh, hate. He's voiced yeah, by John there's, there's a lot of it that I'm like, yeah, was that terrible? But you're right, the Don Bluth stuff has had some wild cards. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Like, I actually, I don't know. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, we're gonna find out. I gave this a seven. I see that. And it's primarily for the animation. It's getting mad yeah, points. I think that's where the majority of my points come from. Yeah. And it's not like I didn't hate watching it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I like there have been movies that we've done lately that I would watch this in over. Like, I would watch this. I If my nephew was like, hey, do you want to watch this? Me, I would be like, I wouldn't be like, fuck this movie. So it's it gets it gets a seven. It's an all right Disney movie. It looks fantastic, but it just doesn't really have any any of the heart that I expect from them at this point. They're missing the dream team, right? The really good guys who are behind everything in the Renaissance are not here. And no surprise, it doesn't have any music. Music. Yeah. Um, but this is like way worse than I remembered. Like I would have been ready to come in and give this a really high score, and I think seven is being really fucking generous with it. I, I just am thinking. I'm kind of surprised like, it is that high for you. It's you know it's only in comparison of a lot of what we've done recently that just has yeah. not been my game. Like Indiana Jones and Batman, and like and it's not that I didn't appreciate Enjoy those them. movies, yeah. but but no, but like watching them was not as fun for me as watching this, yeah. even though objectively a lot of aspects of them are better. Um. I had a hard time giving this like a mad low score after some of the stuff that I just have been like, oh my god, I'm like anyway, anyway take, Scott, us, take out us out of here. I'll take oh, us out of here. Fuck. No, I was gonna say I'll take us out of here. Oh, all right. I'm like, but I said you should do it. <laughs> I know, and I'll do it. Um yeah, as always, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We hope that you enjoyed yourselves and maybe even learned something. Uh join us next week for Five Goes West, like we said. Uh be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find links to our sites and social media in the episode description. If you'd like to support the podcast and listen to our brand new game show called Rewind the Timeline, which we'll be putting out fairly regularly. Uh, we encourage you to follow us on Patreon and check out the website for all your timeline goodies, past, present, and future. 
And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.